My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. All right. Zara, you ready? Let's do it. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 3rd of March. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. The ACT is set to become the first Australian jurisdiction to legally change the way young intersex people are treated by health professionals. To give people the opportunity to see they're not alone, that they have options, there's a community that is there for them, and to feel good about who they are and their unique differences. The Chief Minister of the ACT, Andrew Barr, announced the Territory would be introducing this new legislation while speaking on a panel at Sydney World Pride this week. But what exactly will the law mean? And can we expect similar legislation to be rolled out across the country? We'll let you know in the deep dive. First, Zara, what's making headlines this morning? A major overhaul to Australia Post's operations has been signalled by the federal government. Changes could include lowering the frequency of letter deliveries to focus more on parcel deliveries. The proposal was made in a discussion paper released this week, which seeks to ensure that Australia Post can keep up with modern expectations. A 40-year-old man was fatally shot while with his 12-year-old son in Sydney yesterday. New South Wales police said the man was shot just after 6.30am and died at the scene despite being treated by paramedics. The police are pursuing at least two people over the shooting and are also investigating a possible gangland connection. The US government has approved a potential sale of weapons to Taiwan worth almost $1 billion Australian dollars. The Pentagon has said this week that the sale would contribute to Taiwan's capability to defend its airspace as well as enhance its regional security and relations with the US. And today's good news, a new Moai statue on Rapa Nui, which we might know as Easter Island, has been discovered. The Moai, which are carved human figures created by inhabitants centuries ago, are a fixture of the island, with the new discovery said to provide the potential for new scientific and natural studies in the area. The Chief Minister of the ACT has announced a new law that will change the way medical professionals deal with young intersex people. We wanted to know a bit more about this area and what the law would do, but also how likely we are to see this kind of reform rolling out across the country. So our podcast producer Nina reached out to the Legal Director of Equality Australia, Gassan Kasasia. He was involved in drafting the framework that will shape this new law in the ACT. Gassan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So the news this week is that the ACT will pass legislation to protect people with innate variations of sex characteristics. I think before we do anything else, can you just help us unpack what innate variations of sex characteristics means? Sure. So we're talking about a group of people who have at least 40 different types of traits that mean that their bodies don't conform with social or medical norms for male or female bodies. So people can have variations in their sex chromosomes, hormonal variations based on sex, as well as physical and anatomical differences of sex, like in the genital area. 
Currently, under the law in Australia, what rights do people have who are born with those characteristics? Well, the issue is around particularly procedures, medical procedures that can be performed on their bodies when they are young and before they have an opportunity to have a say in what happens to their own bodies. So under the law now, parents generally make the decisions for these treatments on the advice of doctors. And what the ACT is talking about and what the intersex movement have called for is where decisions can be delayed. So that is where treatments can be delayed until the person themselves can make their own decisions, that the law should allow for that to happen. And that's what we're talking about here is giving power or control to people to make decisions over their own bodies. And I definitely want to get more into what that looks like and how we legislate that. But I do think there's more to kind of understand in terms of what decisions are actually being made by parents and what that actually looks like for families who are grappling with what the right thing to do is for their child. Yeah. So, I mean, because there is 40 or so different variations, lots of different types of treatments. But if I could give you a few examples... If, for example, your child is born with CAH or congenital adrenal hyperplasia, which is one of the traits, it can present in having a clitoris that is virilized or effectively looks larger than what would be typical for a girl. And so some surgeries are performed to so-called normalize the genital area for a child to look more female. So what we're talking about is a range of procedures that are sometimes cosmetic in nature, not always based on any medical need, but more around fears that people might have that the child needs to modify their body in order to fit the society around them. And really what the issue is, is the society around them needs to change to accommodate the fact that these are naturally occurring variations in the human population and they manifest in ways that are very often very natural, not harmful and don't need to be corrected by procedures like uh, surgeries or even hormone treatments that sometimes are really just directed at fitting norms around gender and the ways bodies should appear or behave. And you and Equality Australia have been involved with doing consultation with community to hear what the impacts of this are, right? Because before you legislate, you need to understand what the implications of the current system are. So what are you hearing from people about what the real consequences of these decisions are? Well, absolutely. So I think the first thing to say is the call for control over one's own bodies has really been led by the intersex movement in Australia and internationally. Um, so Equality Australia was commissioned by the Victorian government to do a consultation. It was probably Australia's largest consultation, certainly one of the largest that I'm aware of, with people with variations of sex characteristics, with their families and parents, and with clinicians. We spoke to just over 100 people. One of the things that they told us were the consequences of having that autonomy taken away from them. It's extremely harmful to their mental health, their sense of self. They weren't always told about what treatments were performed on their bodies. So there was a real loss of understanding. But then there are also physical consequences for people. Loss of sensation, loss of sexual function, loss of fertility. Some people who strongly um, uh, regretted the decisions that were made, felt very unhappy about the decisions were made for themselves. Others who were not unhappy with the decisions, but unhappy that they weren't the ones to make them. And when we talked to parents, what they told us 
sometimes they regretted the decisions they felt they were pressured to make because at the time when their child was born, they didn't understand what they were facing in terms of a child with an intersex variation. It was a new thing for them. And they were in a doctor's room being told, we can fix this for you. Not really hearing other voices in the room, including people from variations of sex characteristics, which said, we don't need to be fixed. We need society around us to realize that there are these variations. These are naturally occurring variations in our society. They don't need medical interventions in many cases. And even if they do, it should be something that we get to decide for ourselves when and how those interventions occur. To come back to what's happened this week, and we're getting indications from the ACT that they are going to pass legislation now, what does legislation look like in order to ensure that it's the person being impacted that has the right to consent? So we're yet to see the final bill that the ACT will put forward, but they have released a consultation draft. And much of that was informed by the framework that we worked on in Victoria and we've also provided to the ACT. What it does is it sets up what we call like an oversight panel or oversight body. It's a group of individuals with particular types of experience. So some clinical voices, some people with lived experience, others in human rights, bioethics, and and psychosocial experience. So psychologists and social workers who will be able to decide whether or not a treatment that is proposed is really necessary or whether the treatment can be delayed until the person is old enough to consent for themselves. The legislation that we saw in draft at least sets up a pathway. We're not talking here about emergency treatment. Emergency treatment that's necessary to save life um, will proceed without any process. That will be okay. And what we have recommended is that there is a, a monitoring loop or a a reporting obligation so that if you take advantage of the exception for emergency treatment, all you will do is need to tell the body, the oversight panel that you have done so. And that's so that the panel understands the kinds of treatments that are happening and how the legislation is being operated um, or used in practice. So putting aside emergency treatments that are necessary today, what the legislation that we've seen in draft form sets up is an opportunity for what they call a general treatment plan. That is a class of treatments that will always be okay because it is better now to have that treatment than to delay it. And that might be because it preserves options for the future, such as fertility. So there's certainly some treatments that need to happen today. They might not be emergency treatment, but they actually enlarge the choices that are available to someone in the future. On the other hand, there are some treatments today which are really just based on social norms or fears that people might have around stigmatization or discrimination. And so there, there will be an individual process for the oversight panel to make sure that it is for a good reason, not a reason that is informed by fears or speculation that might be addressed in other ways which are better for the person, like giving them social support or psychological care that means that they learn to live in the body that they have been given in a way that's 
allows them to thrive and see the opportunities in the world and to change the minds of their family and people around them to see how special it is to have a variation and be among many that have that variation so they don't feel like they're the only ones. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. So it sounds like the ACT is moving forward. We just have to wait to see what that final legislation will be. It sounds like Victoria has been doing consultations. What are we seeing across the board in other states and territories? Is this gaining momentum nationwide? So the Australian Human Rights Commission, in a call that we would back, is calling on all states and territories to move. The ACT will be the first, which is wonderful. Victoria's hopefully close behind. They've made a commitment to reform, but we haven't yet seen the details of that reform. Now, I would urge all the states and territories to look at the grave human rights issue that's presented by taking away the right of a person to decide what happens to their own bodies. We can also look overseas because Australia is not the first. Malta, Iceland, Greece, all of these countries and, and many in Latin America as well have already started the work of putting in mechanisms to ensure that people have control over what happens to their own bodies. How they've done it is slightly different in each place and we've all been learning from each other about the best way forward. What I'm hoping to see in Australia is a scheme that really understands the individual before them. It surrounds any legal decision-making with the psychosocial support that's necessary to not only address the, the, the treatment in question, but to give people the opportunity to see that they're not alone, that they have options, that there's a community that is there for them, and to feel good about who they are and their unique differences. Gisan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz. How have you been feeling about the podcast this week? I know Zara and I have loved delivering some really interesting conversations and we would equally love if you could give us a rating and review on whatever app you've got open right now. It helps new people find us and join the TDA community. Have a beautiful weekend. Listener.